Your news programme every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. Now, just this past weekend, we've been hearing about the unwelcome guests arriving back in South Korea. That is uh, when we talk about fine dust and pollution, yellow dust, much of which allegedly blows in from China. And in many cases, that is true. But still, 50 to 70 percent of the fine dust we experience does stem, it's generally estimated, from our own shores, particularly the capital area has to bear some of that responsibility. Professor Paul Monks is from the Atmospheric Chemistry and Earth Observation Science Department at the University of Leicester in the UK. And uh, we're going to discuss a little bit further the makeup of pollution and where we should be focusing our attention. Good morning to you from Seoul. Uh, Leicester. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, after all of Leicester City's uh, wild celebrations, presumably there wasn't that much in the way of car pollution on the road where you were over the weekend. There were lots of cars out on the road this weekend honking their horns in delight at the, at the amazing victory here in Leicester. I thought they may, may have cleared out altogether or just ground to a standstill but uh, it was pretty much a standstill at some time. <laughs> but, in, but in any case, um, we, we have seen European countries like Germany and the UK looking very closely at diesel-fueled cars in particular. Can you tell us more about why they can be so problematic, especially in light of that Volkswagen emission scandal? The issue with diesel cars is they um, put out a lot of particulate pollution as well as another pollutant we call nitrogen dioxide, which has implicated in having health effects as well as causing another widely... Um, another common pollutant, ozone. And when we talk about fine dust and nitrogen dioxide or any other gases, are they all as harmful as each other, or, or, or should we be focusing more, for example, on nitrogen dioxide? Well, I think the issue is that diesel pollution in general has been classified by the World Health Organization as a carcinogen, that is a cancer-forming substance. So that independent body has made it quite clear that particularly diesel pollution can be quite harmful. The, the evidence around nitrogen dioxide is becoming stronger in terms of its health effects. So I think really we've got to treat cars and uh, buses and all the things that use uh, fuel. It's not just diesel, it's also petrol in some ways as well, as potentially harmful in the air quality scenario. Is there not such a thing as clean diesel, though? Really, um, I mean, in some senses, you can remove much of the pollution, and there is legislation now on the books here in Europe that will make diesels as clean as they can be. But the way that diesels burn that fuel, the type of diesel fuel, will always mean that it'll give out more particulate pollution and, and nitrogen dioxide in particular. So there's a definite relationship between diesel emission, even the, the so-called clean versions, uh, and particulate matter. The, the ultra-fine dust that we, that we focus on frequently. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the health impacts of this, in, in 2013, the World Health Organization-run Institute, which is the international agency for research on cancer, declared that fine dust is our car carcinogen. Uh, what's the impact on our systems? Well, I mean, I think that um, particulate matter can have a number of different health effects. It particularly ha uh, affects the, the young and the old. 
you breathe it in, it can cause uh, asthmatic, uh, asthmatic uh, exacerbation. It can uh, also, um, particularly in the elderly, contribute to, to heart disease. And there's new and breaking evidence that these small particles can enter the blood, travel around the system and even be found in the brain. Which is all very frightening, but is the suggestion that this is a chronic thing, that you, you have to be exposed to this for years on end? And, and obviously, there must be a, a very big grey area between safe levels and those which are in the red zone, for example, here. You've got uh, four colours that are a very simplified system here in Seoul, and I'm sure various cities use a similar method. Yeah, I mean, there's a number of these uh, air quality indices that are used. I mean, these things do have a cumulative effect, and the kind of the medical evidence, as I understand it, is quite overwhelming as to the deleterious effects on, on human health. I mean, this is one of the major global problems, air pollution. Up to 10 million people a year are affected by it globally. And that includes a combination of both indoor and outdoor air pollution. The, the way of dealing with this, uh, ideally, might be just to clear our streets of cars altogether, but it's not, it's not particularly practical, is it? What, what would you well, suggest is the way forward? Well, there are a number of measures. Um, I mean, there are some very simple measures. If you have a choice, for instance, taking a diesel or a petrol car into an urban area, you can think about taking your petrol car. You can think about using public transport or, or, or cycling. In the longer term, what we think we'll see is the increased introduction of things like electric vehicles, which, of course, have, have zero emissions. Um, and also there's, there's um, moves afoot to clean up the things like the taxi and the, and the bus fleets as well. But we have this uh, Euro 6 measure, these series of regulations requiring yes. a, a real-world test to be introduced from 2017, as the name suggests, mm -hmm. in Europe. And, and that's very much linked to car manufacturers like Volkswagen being accused of uh, not being completely honest, or in some cases far from it. Yeah, so the Euro standards are actually used globally uh, as, a, as a method of controlling uh, car and heavy goods vehicles, buses and lorry uh, emissions. The failure of the Euro 6 standards was due to the fact that they didn't really reproduce the real-world driving cycle. They were an artificial rolling road cycle. And those cars and, and lorries passed that cycle. When we actually put them out in the real atmosphere, they produced substantially uh, more pollution. So now these standards are being tightened, and by the 2017-2020 area, uh, it's likely that uh, these, the cars and lorries will have to meet these sort of standards. There'll be a substantial reduction in the air pollutants. So we've looked a little bit about what we can expect societies as a whole to do, uh, but what about us as individuals? Uh, when we're walking around in the street, if we're walking or stuck behind cycling, whatever it happens to be, a diesel vehicle, should we be doing everything in our power to get away from the rear of that vehicle uh, or, or is it more of a problem when it builds up in the atmosphere in, as a whole? Yeah, I think there's a danger of demonising diesel. It's interesting to ask the question why we've, we've dieselised our fleet so much and, and much of that was to do with climate change and climate change policy because diesels produce less CO2 per kilometre uh, than, than petrol vehicles, for instance. Uh, I think what to do about that is to... I think that many city authorities have got to think about clean air zones and, and keeping away the worst polluting cars away from people 
in urban situations. I think what individual people can do is think about routes, and there are now many apps that you can get, think about routes that avoid being exposed to the worst static traffic. Uh, and, and it's not really just diesel, it's all static traffic yes. produces substantial amounts of air pollutants. So if we're thinking about jogging routes, for example, to try and choose routes that uh, are not going to involve running along a, a pavement or sidewalk that's right next to a traffic jam, for example. Uh, but what about... Yeah, or static traffic or, or heavy roads that are heavy, heavily loaded. I think, you know, think about routes, and I think the joy of being able to cycle and, uh, and walk, for instance, is that you can use many of the back routes away from the most heavily trafficked routes. Yes. What about... Um, other tips, though, would would elevated areas be more favourable than low-lying roads? I, I sometimes think about this in Seoul, which is very mountainous. I'm not sure if you've had the chance to be here, but um, we, we have um, a mountain right in the middle of the, the capital, Namsan, and and some beautiful trees, uh, and, and sometimes the roads get a bit busy, but, I, but it feels as though the air is cleaner there. Is it, is, does that make sense that elevated roads surrounded by trees would be cleaner than low-lying streets? There's all sorts of interesting um, research on the way that trees and topography, the shapes of cities, control air pollution. Um, what we've been doing shows that, in some cases, trees actually act as a physical barrier to stop the particles uh, getting away from the roadside into the surrounding urban atmosphere and could also act to disperse pollution. That means kind of shift it higher up into the atmosphere and move it away from the roads. Uh, it is actually true that green areas in particular tend to be lower in, in pollutant concentrations in general than directly near the roadside. So, I mean, accessing green areas is a good way of, of avoiding the, the worst vagaries of air pollution. And finally, China gets a lot of blame. If... Uh Britain had China right next door supplying even 30% of Britain's pollution. That, that wouldn't make the British public very happy, would it? It's a very interesting parallel, actually, because there's no doubt that air pollution is a transboundary issue. So, uh, actually, we have European legislation because we recognise that, actually, air pollution is a shared problem and that we've got to control it together. Uh, and actually, originally, even before we had the European Union in, in the auspices of the, of the UNEC, uh, as it's called, we got together and we realised, actually, in the acid rain era, that we had to cooperate together. So I think that, actually, regional cooperation on issues like air pollution is incredibly important. And understanding that transbound import and the impact of pollution coming from outside, how much that is, and what measures can be taken to reduce that are, are you know, essential. Professor Monks, thanks very much for that general answer that we all face uh, this issue. And good luck with all your efforts and celebrations, as I'm sure it will go on all summer for Leicester City. Thank you very much indeed. Professor Paul Monks from the University of Leicester. You can email any questions or opinions you might have on that, efmthismorning at gmail.com.